Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hello and welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, the official podcast of backdashrow.com, champions of unsung and underrated cinema. Go to backdashrow.com right now and you can find lots of written articles and other podcasts. You can find Carlo and I there doing Hoser Horror once in a while. We do Cream of the Crud as well where we talk about the movies we've been watching and Blu-rays we've been buying. You can also find my 20 favorite film discoveries of 2021 lists, and Jenna and Veronica also have top movies of 2021 lists there as well, and Carlo will have a discoveries list there, possibly by the time you are seeing or hearing this. Um, So that is backdashrow.com. In the menu, you can click join our Patreon where you can... You can get access to early podcasts. Uh, When they come out, you can get them a week early. You can also get a video of this interview. You can also just get uh, bonus written articles and such. So check out the Patreon. Today on Notes from the Back Row, I'm very excited to have this interview with Shadow Stevens, who you may remember from Hollywood Squares. Uh, You may remember from a line of commercials where he played a character called Fred Rated for Federated. Um, Or you may remember him from Trax, the obscure action comedy satire that I watched recently for the second time and decided I would just randomly email Shadow Stevens to say, would you like to talk about this movie? And thankfully he said yes. So here is my interview with Shadow Stevens. We talk about the Fred Rated for Federated campaigns. We talk about his HBO comedy special Shadow Vision and, of course, tracks and the troubled production it had and so enjoy and we'll see you next time on the podcast hopefully you enjoy it first of all shadow stevens thank you again for sitting down with me to chat today i really really appreciate it and um you were just mentioning to me off mic before i started recording about mental radio and i i like to give guests on the show you know, the opportunity up front before we get into all of our other discussions, you know, like, what are you up to right off the top of the episode? So you have mental radio, you have art, you have a few websites. Where can people find you right now on the internet? And what can they expect? Well, my my homepage about all the things that I do is shadow.com, S-H-A-D-O-E.com. And it kind of covers television and art and radio and everything else. Um, uh, there is one called shadowart.com that just covers my art, which yeah. is kind of unusual and uh, some of it quite large. There are pieces that are 10 feet long and five feet tall and uh, and they all tell a story. It's kind of, uh, um, it's not like something you've seen. It's a lot, a lot of saturated colors, a lot of combination, a lot of um, pieces that are pulled from other pieces, you know, that, that, collaborative multimedia art um and then there is a mentalradio.net which is my passion project since the beginning of covid at the beginning of covid i knew i was going to be shut down and i knew everybody would be indoors Mm -hmm. everybody was freaking out 
And I am a radical optimist. And I have uh, very strong beliefs in this. And how can I, how can I create something that's funny, that is immersed in optimism, that isn't gooey, that isn't <laughs> like tonight on a very special, yeah. blossom, you know, or lifetime or something, something that isn't that doesn't have incense and gurus, you know. <laughs> um, and what I realized is that. If you ridicule phobias, you can rise above them through humor and irony. Mm -hmm. And that I set out to do. So the, I sat down, what can I do by myself? And I started writing it. And the first thing I wrote was a jingle. It's a happy little jingle. And it goes, don't forget the world is ending. Don't forget to be afraid. Don't forget to keep pretending you got it made. <laughs> and, and that turned out great. Then I did the adventures of Guy Good, which is like the Lone Ranger. It's two, it's Guy Good and his sidekick Gabby riding across <laughs> the desert plains, hoping to cut off the gloom before it gets to the big city. And then I started attracting people. I, a guy that used to work for me 30 years ago was my director at when I did the Federated commercials. And he's become a world-class composer. His name is uh, Chuck. Serino. Mm -hmm. Chuck, I called Chuck. I said, do you have any music I can use? I'm doing this audio theater project. And I played him some things. He says, yes, I have been paid for all these movies that never came out. You can have whatever <laughs> you want. So he opened up the archives and then it started to grow. And people said, I'd like to contribute. I could do some writing. I could do some voice. So I have this little team, this theater team. And what has become is uh, immersive, 3D audio adventures, parodies, original music, all dedicated to uplifting mankind. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I played it for Craig Ferguson. As you know, I, I worked with Craig for about yeah. 10 years. And Craig said, it's like Flash Gordon, L. Ron Hubbard, Captain Marvel, Buckaroo Banzai, and everything else. Is it a show, a channel, <laughs> a movement? Is it a, maybe it's some sort of new religion. <laughs> Whatever it is, I need more of that and less of everything else. I went, yay. So I've got about 20 pages of rave reviews from people. And it's all available on mentalradio.net. There's a free app that you can get for both Android and Apple in the App Store. Just look up one word, mental radio. And listen with earphones because it's yes. immersive. It's, there's a lot of attention paid to the audio content and how it moves around and comes from behind you. And it still works if you listen to it just on a phone, but it's real trippy. Uh, somebody called it audio acid. <laughs> it's, and it's quite funny. And, um, and it's all uh, so, so you can get the app and everything is there. And it also talks about getting ahead of the mind through through goals and dreams and getting behind the mind through meditation. And in each episode, there is a 90 second introduction to meditation with original music and gongs and chimes and, <laughs> and, and Tibetan bells and the, the, the vibrations that have been used for thousands of years to quiet the mind. And uh, all of this stuff is all free. Mm -hmm. Tell your friends. Yeah. Spread the word. Help me out. And it, it's not cartoony. And yeah. The thing of it is, is the whole thing, there's a whole, there's a, uh, a, a mythology behind the whole thing that is really inclusive includes the the ancient book of Digino, 
the uh, the fact that Optimisticals, M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-L-S, have been with us since the beginning of time, but Nikola Tesla discovered it in the 1890s and started a secret worldwide society. And, and some of this is real and some of it isn't. I leave it up to you to <laughs> go through the debris of uh, hidden Hollywood with the tunnel <laughs> Hollywood that go from the Hollywood sign to uh, uh, downtown LA. There are there's very um, creative, original ideas in it that are uh, not limited to any kind of imagination. Yeah. And so to to quickly pivot, um, you, you were talking kind of about how mental radio came about and it kind of came from this period of like, what can I do with what I have, you know, right now? And so um, that reminded me a lot of the Fred rated for Federated stuff, because, you know, in 1981, you met Keith Powell, president of the Federated group and ended up doing this, you know, insanely prolific uh, television campaign and did so much with whatever you could. You know, I, I know that you in some of them, it was like, we're just going to throw a TV off a building and that this is going to be the commercial. Right. And and that kind of spirit of creativity is something that I found very fascinating as I did my research to talk to you today, you know, from federated into we'll get to tracks and some other things. But this idea of like being as creative as you can be with whatever means you have is something that I feel like I saw a lot of when I was doing my research. And so. Can you talk a little bit just about like Fred rated for federated if anyone doesn't know what it is and like how it came about? Fred rated came about by uh, a, an act of the gods, I think, because <laughs> I was doing their radio commercials. I'd done it for another big company and then quit because I didn't like the way they treated me. And, and I was hired a week later by federated to do their radio campaign. And then about uh, a couple of months in that I was going in to talk about a contract and he brought me into the room, uh, the conference room, the president, and he had their television producer there who did their television commercials. And he told the guy, and I sat there quietly for two hours as he told the guy how much he hated the commercials. <laughs> he played them and he reviewed why he hated them and why he was embarrassed by them. And if he could get them off the air right now, he would, but they're already committed and they're going out on Friday. And he said, finally, don't you understand? I want something simple and funny that makes you remember the name Federer. Mm -hmm. And I held up my hand and said, how about this? How about if I do a Dan Aykroyd Bassomatic Pitchman, a parody of a pitchman that talks 100 miles an hour. And then at the end, he says, Federated smashes prices and then smashes a TV with a circus hammer. <laughs> Get it? And he goes, it's pretty funny. So <laughs> yeah we could get yeah and he said and if we do it and it works will you give me creative control because i never want to do the same thing twice or people will want to kill me and he goes and he rolls his eyes and goes all right for sure <laughs> and so we did it and i went and did the first three commercials and that weekend business went up 500 percent, and we were off and running and i had to learn because i didn't really know that much about television production i had to like learn and then gather my own team and this happened over a period of time. I had my existing partner at the time, and then we parted ways and I brought in this team that um, did almost all of them. 
And that's all it's, this. There's um there's a couple of videos on YouTube about them. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want to really go deep, there's called one called Laugh Now, Think Later. Uh, there's a shorter one called Bludgeon Advertising. It's, it's 30 minutes long and it covers and it has every one of the commercials that we <laughs> love best over um, what was it? Six years. Yeah. We did over 1,100 different commercials. No commercial ever ran longer than 10 days. Um, we did anywhere between five and seven commercials a week. We would yeah. meet on Monday. We would write them up in a hilarious Monty Python kind of atmosphere. We laughed, wrote. By the end of the day, we had first drafts. It was set up on Tuesday. We shot on Wednesday, edited on Thursday, and turned them in on Friday. And the assault of ideas was, it was me and five other guys. And so it was a Monty Python type troupe. And it became, I think it's the most successful regional advertising campaign in US history. It it was remarkable. (laughs) It went from 16 little stores in Southern California to 78 stores in five states in four years. And they were all like Best Buy size, you know, giant, giant stores. Yeah. And so <laughs> I I did watch Laugh Now Think Later and that uh bludgeon advertising video. Um and and I I really hope anyone listening does go check out um especially Laugh Now Think Later is this like, you know, really amazing like pseudo documentary of 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 you know your life, you know, about also about advertising and then also about sort of the the whole kind of history of of Fred Rated for Fred Rated. But for people listening, like 1000 plus commercials, you know, none, like, I can't stress enough that none of them running longer than 10 days. Like, this is something that was so kind of like brilliantly ahead of its time. On top of the fact that like the commercials themselves, how creative they are and how funny they they are to this day. I mean, those commercials, when I watched them all, I was like, you know, you see the in i feel like that you can see the influence of comedy to come like like the kind of surreal you know uh kind of out there very kind of quick you know gag stuff like you saw you saw so much of that into the 90s and the 2000s and i feel like it's one of those things where when you think regional commercial you think kind of like cheesy and it's like it's funny because it's bad you know but like this is not that at all like (laughs) they're so funny still (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate saying that. It, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Uh, we all those years we worked together, we never argued. We never had a fight. We never had. I mean, I um, we were doing so well. One, uh, I, I bought everyone big motorcycles, and we all had <laughs> motorcycles. And we'd ride together, and then we'd shoot, and then we would shoot like on motorcycles or from the back of the Bronco on a motorcycle, make it up, shoot, ride down the street of Hollywood, and um, and 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 capture it, come back, yeah. cut, cut, edit, send out. The, um, it was ridiculously funny, uh, fun and funny. And then um, that same team, uh, Dave Nichols and I wrote Shadow Vision, which yes. is an idea that I had. And it is, it's pretty out there. It's I watched funny. it as well. <laughs> okay, well, that's another one that, that was like, um, let's do something that goes so fast you don't have time to laugh and there's throwaway jokes and it's absolutely done with conviction it isn't yeah. like um 
it, it's like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy uh going 100 miles an hour and crashing into a wall and how, uh, how did it come about like what because shadow vision is the same a lot of the same people from fred rated right yeah it was all the same people so like it it ultimately was an hbo special correct yeah so was it something that was like the commercials are doing really well and this is like an amazing kind of thing that's happening can we come to you and have you make something for us or or what was it like no i had this idea of of wanting to do something that was really out there mm -hmm. and that went really fast and that experimented in all the things we liked uh, time lapse um fast editing mm -hmm. um claymation animation everything that we enjoyed and and how can we put this together in a in a in a narrative that is sort of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where you know that suddenly all of a sudden um something takes over all the televisions of the world and this uh, dr milton oak says this is not mind control think about it this is not mind control think about it this is not mind control think about it and think about what think about and people go crazy and then they go mad and um so i spent my own money to to get it off the ground okay <laughs> and uh and then took it to hbo in new york and um and sold it to them and they gave us the budget which was about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, i think that mm. we cut the whole thing together and um and then it went out but then we took it to mtv at the time because we had ideas to do it as a as a, a a series yeah we had ideas where where one of the main characters would would wake up caught uh inside a pizza <laughs> and couldn't find his way out i mean really insane ideas and um and they turned it down but suddenly i mean because there were I don't know how many the most edits in 30 minutes anybody had ever seen before it's intense it, it's intense <laughs> and uh all of a sudden mtv call it irony or something else but suddenly all of their stuff started cutting faster and going by and using time-lapse footage and all of this stuff and um i don't know if that's just a complete coincidence or something more yeah well it, and it is true that like the, the, over the years mtv definitely started leaning into programming that resembles that kind of offbeat stuff like they ended up doing like comedy like the state and they started doing like weird animation with liquid television and stuff and so like you know I, like you were in on the ground floor on a lot of that kind of on um, a lot of that kind of stuff in the sense of like mashing all these things together and being like check it out <laughs> you know oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we were we were definitely experimenting and and we had the luxury because i owned the studio and and we had our own cameras and our own editing equipment which today of course you can do in a with a lot of stuff yeah at the time it was very expensive what and cameras and beta and all this yeah what what was it like did you have to did you find coming from commercials and moving into something that was going to be more like an hour-long special what was it like having to like did you have to adjust your like pace of anything or was it just like you know were you thinking about how is this going to play out over an hour or was it more just like let's just cram as much stuff in here as we can i mean in in, in the shadow vision um yeah it was always going to be 30 minutes okay and we had shot we shot so much 
stuff, we decided we would just for our own amusement that we would cut a chapter two. Okay. Make it even weirder. Yeah. So we did. Well, was was the process of of figuring out what Shadow Vision would have inside of it? Um, was that really different from the commercials or was it very similar of like, let's just get all together and get it all, all of our ideas out and then we'll figure out, you know, <laughs> putting it together. Um, it was mostly Dave Nichols and me. Okay. Um, uh, and, and we wrote it all up. And then, and then of course we produced the presentation, the big sizzle that we took in which uh, every man, Norman Jones, um, you know, falls into space. Mm-hmm. And um it's impossible to talk about shadow vision you know <laughs> and people are going what the hell is he talking about because it's it's experiential yeah <laughs> but i i find it so fascinating because i do think you know the the fact that it was coming out of the success of these commercials and then you turned in it, it, kind of this creativity and you kind of focused it into this half hour special and then that it went to HBO is just so amazing and cool to me because it is one of those things where it's like it's just so out there I just love this idea that like HBO is like here's some money to cut it and let's get it on the air you know I just think that it's like you don't see a lot of that like you know we're going to get behind this really weird thing these days I feel they, like even after we did it they they had people come and, and interview me and say we don't understand it um how do you explain it and i had all of these really um uh, or i thought really funny responses <laughs> that are you know full of wordplay and a lot of the kind of thing i'm still doing today with metal radio mm. uh, only a little more oblique and they kind of shook their heads and and they their ads that they put on said that it said coming <laughs> you know on coming whatever day it was that was launched uh Shadow Vision. If you understand it, will you let us know? <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah, that's a great way to, and, and I think that's a great way to to advertise this kind of thing. Like, it, like if anyone, and, and another thing that I really enjoyed um, doing doing my research to to talk to you today was was the fact that you are so transparent with with this stuff, with your creativity in in terms of these projects, but also with the fact that like I can go to YouTube and I can watch your documentary about the Fed, uh, Fred rated stuff. And then right on tacked onto the end of it is the entire shadow vision. And like, this is stuff that I feel like is so fascinating. And I, I, I don't ever want to see that kind of thing lost to time. Right. And you've just been like here, you know, watch it. And I love that. Cause I feel like some people don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah well hey just get it out there i mean it's the same way it's so art for art's sake you know mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing that i do with my art you know it's like it's not like normal art it's um it all has something to say and i like to do and i i write my own descriptions as well and usually it's very self-indulgent and there are too <laughs> many words but 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 it it the the reason i started is because salvador dali did a series in which he wrote his own descriptions and went mm-hmm. that's for me and then I would go to uh, art museums and see these pretentious, I mean, laugh out loud, funny, pretentious descriptions <laughs> of what the artist's intent Yeah. Was. So I would tell what the artist's intent is. And here, here's, here it is in vivid, colorful language, <laughs> description that you can say out loud because it, it sings in the mouth and it's like putting on the tongue. And um, so I do a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, like um, 
I have this series uh, called The Transdimensional Symbolism of Rocky Waters. Yes. And Waters is a metaphor for difficult times. And Rocky is, is this like football player kicking a field goal in the 1950s. And he is in, a, in the first one, uh, just when he thought he was winning the game, fate took a turn down a blind alley and suddenly he was forced to confront fear, doubt and change. <laughs> and each piece is a different part of that mentality that he goes through. So the, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of art with names like transcendental Wahoo and <laughs> Lifluous bellow of chronic reality and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. I, I did see that piece because I heard you mention it on another interview and I was like, I have to go look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Pretty wild. So after Shadow Vision, which was 1986, um, Tracks isn't until a few years later. What was a movie? Sorry? Tracks came right at that time. Okay, because I thought that maybe I, that's one of the things because of Federated, you know, okay, that. yeah, because that was one of my questions that I was going to bring up was kind of like, you know, I know that the Federated stuff, you know, they're sold to Atari in 87. And, and they go out of business 15 months after you leave. And that that was 87. And I was wondering, like, I know that tracks has a very troubled uh, production. So I know that it takes a while to come out. And I was wondering, like, did you you know, were you going right to tracks around this time in 86? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think it was, it was intended to come out in 87. Okay. Um, we um, shot it in North Carolina, but it was, it was uh, Gary DeVore, who is the yeah. producer and writer and Gary um, loved my character, loved Federated. It was a big deal. Most people in the other parts of the country didn't know about it, but it was a phenomenon mm -hmm. on the West Coast and all the way from California to Texas. And um, and so I signed this three-picture deal with Dino De Laurentiis, <laughs> this picture and two more. And they thought it was going to be the next Crocodile Dundee. And it was an insane script. Yeah, It was pretty laugh out loud and and an assault on your defenseless and frightened sense of humor. I, I think you mentioned in one of your interviews as well that it was like darker too. The script was a bit darker. It was less kooky. Okay. Kooky came in um, because um, Gary would, once the thing was, was um, started, Gary was drinking a lot and they were having a lot of fun. Now I arrived in North Carolina ready to shoot. Now I've been planning, I've been working on this for a month. They took it real seriously. Mm -hmm. I built up, I was working out in Gold's gym and <laughs> getting giant and, and growing my hair long because that's what Gary wanted and went fine, whatever you want, I'll do this. And I show up on the set and I go out there the first day and it's this West, this um, uh, Texas town and it's terrific looking. And I go, well, this might actually turn into something it's <laughs> a funny script. And then they started changing the script and I go out there the first day and I see, and it wasn't, didn't end up in the movie, but this is, this is what I saw. Three electric chairs in the town square and the three villains in the electric chairs wearing, um, what are those pajamas that have footsies? Oh um, yeah. Like children. the little onesies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever that word is in red, white, and blue. <laughs> I'm horrified. I go to Gary and I say, Gary, I have a really good sense of humor. I love the script. What, what is this? What are you doing? 
He goes, yeah, trust me, trust me. People are going to love this. <laughs> I went home and I wrote in my, in my journal that day, we're doomed. <laughs> this is just not going to get better. And it didn't. And I did everything I could to make it the best that it could be until it was done. And then it goes back to be edited. And they went through three editors and I saw what they edited together and I was horrified. Mm. And I went and I went to Dino and I said, I have my own studio. Just give me footage. I'll cut <laughs> it together for free as an option. I have really good guys that I work with. And he says, oh no, we can't do that. You've got nothing to lose. Oh, no. <laughs> so then they end up uh, going bankrupt. The company, the whole company went bankrupt. And, um, and they sold it off to, um, to HBO. And they added like, I think a $1,500 soundtrack, yeah. easily the worst soundtrack, maybe in history. <laughs> um, people think it's uh, amusing. I, don't think, <laughs> I think it's really cheesy. And it's definitely uh, cheesy. It's really cheesy. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of corny stuff. So I, I uh, got a copy of it um, years later and I cut together my own version. Mm -hmm. Long, it, it's shorter, faster, and funnier. And it's an hour long. And I took all the stuff, I took out all the bad music, all the stuff I didn't like, and cut it together in something that's watchable. And you can watch it. And I think it's called Tracks, Tracks Revisited. Remix? Tracks Remix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's on your YouTube, um, which is, again, one of these things that I really enjoy about that about your career is that like, you know, this kind of idea of like creativity and optimism and like doing what you can with what you have. And, and here's a movie that like didn't turn out, you know, the way everybody was hoping. But, you know, you get the footage and you're like, well, I'm going to do my thing with it because that's what I like to do. <laughs> why not you know right for and, our sake you know it's like you, yeah you the best you can be with what you've got i mean we didn't have we didn't have big tools and we didn't have huge budgets for feather mm -hmm. we had but we had steady work and i knew that with these guys we could create endlessly we could have gone on for another 10 years and still turn out stuff um as it turned out the um the, the guy who owned the uh owned the company wilfred schwartz who was actually a really great guy. And he hired the world's greatest man, uh, Keith Powell. Keith Powell was really smart. And Keith is the one who hired me. Now, Wilfred decided at the peak of this 78 stores in five states, he's going to get out. And he sells it for $40 million. Mm -hmm. And they have a big, uh, they have a big um, dinner. And everybody, all the, all the heads of all of the stores were there, all the managers and the key people. And at the president's table, my wife and I walk up and I see, I see Jabba the Hud sitting at the <laughs> table. I say to my wife, Jabba the Hud's at our table. <laughs> Don't look at him in the eye, seriously. I didn't know what was coming. And then they, they announced that Jabba the Hud had bought the Federated and that they were taking over immediately. Hmm. And uh, that was immediately horrifying. And then it got worse. And he fired 800 people the first day with no severance. People had been there for 15 years. Hmm. He met with me and said, I want you to do those commercials, but we're not going to pay you the kind of money you've been making. And yeah. Like, okay, goodbye. Yeah. And, um, and he really screwed Keith Powell. Uh, Keith, who had stuck by me uh, and the contracts and everything else. 
and he uh, cheated him out of his golden parachute. He got no money. He sued him. Wow. Keith never got another great job. And um, and his family is, is, is terrific. And he ended up in Las Vegas and then got um, kind of dementia mm. and died. Um, yeah, that's not, awful. Not being able to remember his family or, or mm-hmm. anything. He put him in a home, all, Alzheimer's. And, um, and of course, uh, Job of the Hut is gone as well. Um, <laughs> life is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, so you mentioned about tracks. Um, you mentioned about Gary, you know, loving the character. Do you know if he wrote it with you in mind? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think he just had this funny idea and he wanted to be really irreverent and do yeah. things. I mean, it, it, there's insane things like, like the the villains would drive their limousine along the uh, road with baseball bats and knock people uh, <laughs> off their bicycles and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, this could never get made today. I know. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, so um, Gary's coming off of like a bunch of movies that were, were very successful, like Running Scared. Um, but I was wondering, like, before you are approached for tracks is the idea of being in in a movie is that even like something that you're thinking like i want to do that or was it like the right you know script came along and you thought it was really fun and you're like let's do it well i didn't have i didn't have an agent at the time and okay. I, I um i had been in radio you know and then i started when i left radio i started my production company and we ended up doing massive television or um, radio and television campaigns. We did, um, my first partner, Robbie Davis and I did, we did the Blues Brothers movie. I did Kentucky Fried Movie, won mm-hmm. all the awards. I have a great story about Kentucky Fried Movie. I did them, it was Jim Abrams and the Zucker Brothers. Yeah. And they were hilarious. <laughs> so we would write together and write the whole television and, and advertising campaign. Yeah. And after it was done, they came back to me and they said, we really like writing with you. We'd like to do our next project with you. Uh, we just get together a couple times a week and mm-hmm. whatever comes up it may take a year or whatever, but uh, I turned them down. <laughs> a year later, they came to me and they said, uh, could you do a voiceover? We're doing this pitch to uh, Paramount for this uh, movie that we just wrote. Yeah. And, and I did it and they paid me $300 and they launched Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> I've never quite live that down yeah <laughs> like one of those decisions like what were you thinking <laughs> yeah which is of course is like a smash hit you know <laughs> of course like and legendary and iconic and yeah and one of the funniest things ever made totally but <laughs> what can you do yeah and so tracks has really troubled a production i know that you mentioned in in another interview i listened to that like it was being like kind of rewritten a lot as you were doing it. So you'd mentioned that like the next day you'd come in and Gary'd be like, here's a bunch of new like ideas. Was that like, as you were, you you mentioned how impressive it was to first come on the set and then how it was kind of immediately kind of rug pulled out, you know, with this weird idea. Was the rest of the shoot kind of like that? Was it a lot of like, I know that there's something going awry here or was it kind of like, I'm just going to do my best. It was both. Um, there was a lot of things are going awry, um, yeah. but there were a lot of really funny things. And um, 
you know, uh, Jerome Gary was a good guy. Uh, he had come, he had only done a documentary before, and I think Gary yeah. hired him because he figured he could control him, and um, and they got along well. Uh, Willard Pugh was my sidekick, and he and I had a great time. He was really funny, <laughs> and um, and uh, I knew there was something there. Yeah, you know, I, I knew that that it could be edited into something pretty terrific, and and maybe if some a few things didn't work, it could they could be reshot really cheaply, mm -hmm. and we could figure that out and say you know this works as is, or we could we could do this this here and here and here, and they just wouldn't let me do it. Yeah, and so there was you know there was no way to recover from it. There was no way to make it better. Yeah, and unfortunately, like you know companies are going bankrupt right by the end of this like you you mentioned um uh dino de laurentinus like that that company was kind of like going bankrupt i think by the end of it and when it got kind of sent to hbo um was there kind of any response once the movie came out or was it very just like it never came out. Uh, yeah okay <laughs> it, it never came out it was it only came out on hbo yeah and then eventually vhs cinemax uh, no no it was hbo it was hbo okay uh shadow vision came out on on cinemax mm -hmm. and, yeah uh, yeah no then it was just kind of forgotten about and yeah. uh, i tried to um to do it because it became a kind of a cult yeah because there are people who love it passionately mm -hmm. and watch it over and over <laughs> so i was invited to portland to um like this film society and what they did they did the greatest thing ever and it, what was it called saturday night b movie was it something. bingo b movie bingo yeah and i and i went there to uh, to talk about it and so for people who have never heard of this, the idea is that they would take a B-movie like tracks and they would uh, give out bingo cards to everybody who showed up. Now the theater was packed and everybody had a bingo card and there was a little card table down in front on, in front of the screen. And, um, and every time there was a classic B-movie cliche, man gets thrown out of window, mm -hmm. gets shouted down by boss, uh there there would be a um you know b12 i22 or whatever it was. <laughs> and at some point someone would go bingo and they would stop the film and they would run down to the front and they would say oh, yeah man gets thrown out of windows and that's right yep that's a bingo and they would give them a prize and then they would go back to the seat and they'd start the movie again <laughs> I saw the whole movie in a whole different light as people roared at yeah. stupid things that happened. And <laughs> even the corny stuff people laughed at. And I went, I always hated that. But yeah, it is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And and so one of the reasons why I reached out to you was because so I had seen tracks before, but just recently I watched it with a with a bunch of people and like everybody went nuts like it played like gangbusters you know to to yeah. to everyone that we watched it with and 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 i went honestly from you know when i watched it last was probably in like 2012 2013 i thought like what a weird movie you know but watching it recently i was like i i love this movie and i think one of the things that um the, the more i watch movies the the older i get i watch a lot of like weird movies but i i I started, you know, a few years back to just like embrace the 
the things that are wrong about a movie can kind of make it, you know, what it is. And I think tracks is one of those movies where like it did have a really troubled production and it does have a lot of stuff that doesn't work and a lot of stuff that does work. But I think what's so interesting about it to me is that, you know, no other movie made those mistakes. This movie made very, a very specific set of, you know, gags and mistakes and stuff that make it so singular, right? Like there's no other movie like tracks. Like, that's like, absolutely true. And I, and I think that's what's so special to me about it. Right. Like, um, the stuff that's f- funny in that movie is so incredibly hilarious and the stuff that isn't funny it's like wow what a weird you know thing <laughs> <laughs> so True. it's not even like that's bad it's like that's so fascinating to me that these were the those were the decisions right so i feel like like to me even the music the idea that the music was very cheap and is not super good <laughs> to say the least to me that's that's almost you know at this point i feel like that's almost right for tracks the fact that like the movie is this um kind of like it takes takes tropes of action movies to their like kind of illogical you know end and i find that it has this kind of wonky soundtrack is like yeah a lot of action movies had weird soundtracks and this is that times 10 you know (laughs) and so that's part of the reason why I really liked it and why I wanted to chat about it was just because mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it, it's so singular and I feel like that's special, you know, even with, you know, the idea that it, it when it came out a lot, of, I think when I heard you talk about it, you, you know, you said a lot of like a lot of people felt probably felt really crushed about it, but I, I think it's, it, it has legs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're Absolutely. just getting going. I feel like, <laughs> You may be right. I don't. I don't have any idea. I've lost track of like, what well, you know. You just never see the big picture. In life. Yeah. You know, you get crushed by something and go, okay, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And you go on to do something else, and then that goes for a while, and it gets and it works, and then it goes away, and you go, mm-hmm. uh, okay, now what? And uh, okay, now what? Yeah. It's been a lifetime of okay, now what? <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think honestly, with the with the research I was doing to chat with you today, that's something that came through. You know, your work was was there was like there is a lot of okay now what, but it but it's always with a goal. You know, They're, like to to see the kind of like unbridled creativity of Fred rated. You know, go into this like focused you know special of Shadow Vision, and then you hit tracks, and it's like this kind of wild west of be where anything goes you know it was just it it was really fascinating of a through line for me when i was thinking about what i wanted to talk to you about because because it is a lot of okay now what and it is a lot of what can i what can i turn this into you know (laughs) and i and i love that yeah well you know you kind of have to do that because giving up is not an option and getting in, in a, and all of what I pitch uh, through mental radio and what I believe in my art and everything else is that we have, we do not have the luxury to be depressed mm-hmm. or in despair or have negativity of any kind. We, there is only optimism and there is only the belief that it's an infinite universe and in an infinite universe, there are infinite possibilities. And if there are infinite possibilities, it means that there are 
potentially infinite solutions to every impossible problem. Mm -hmm. We can't see the bigger picture, so we have to do, and the work that we do now may play out in a year or five years or 10 years, or it'll get us through and teach us new things that we need to know for something yet to come. Yeah. I've kind of lived that way, and that's what it's ended up being. So now I can sit in my studio and create mental radio 90% on my own. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I know how to do all the stuff. I yeah. Tools and I know Final and, Cut and I know. And that's another thing, right? Like through your career, you were kind of constantly presented with problems of, okay, now I have to figure out how to create a, you know, a campaign. Now I have to figure out how to shoot and edit all this stuff. And you kind of took it on yourself to be like, well, I'll learn those, those skills then, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do. Yeah. and that's and and it's so people cool. are giving me money to do it so I was like <laughs> yeah. better, you know not have to count on anybody yeah and i think that's so cool of a thing in your career you know to to still be doing that now right like you know to still be like what can i do now that covid hits and i'm gonna make this podcast and i'm gonna do something that's totally it's it's kind of totally unlike the stuff that that you were doing before, but at the same time, not. It fits in so well with this kind of creative attitude that I see through your career. And I thought, yeah, it's just really uh, cool and inspiring. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. It is um, the way I am uh, wired and yeah. and driven. Mm -hmm. And now it's gotten into like uh, incredible wordplay. I'm I've really grown, you know. Uh, happy with with writing things that have uh, you know have multiple meanings. Uh, uh, I have a character called Brock Stillwell, and Brock is a square jawed jackhammer of a man in a plaid shirt and a blinding smile. <laughs> and, and in one of them, he dives into an aquarium, into a shark tank where a, a girl is being you know about to die from a shark. And the shark bites him and he laughs and the shark shrinks. <laughs> you can hear his inner voice going, I've never been a good shark. <laughs> Even the plankton laugh at me. Why can't I be happy like the clams? It's, it's <laughs> the blinding smile of the infinite what that comes from Brock Stillwell. <laughs> and, and just the things that, that, you can, uh, that you can say that are you know, that are just fun to hear in your mouth. It just um, uh, coming up with with odd names like Gabriel Frank felt grateful. <laughs> had the jitters. You know, jitters. <laughs> Who uses words like the jitters? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and things like that, you know, that that are just fun to listen to. And even if you don't obstreperous North Carolina, you know, it's where the zoo is. And, and so we and just keep making stuff up like that and, and, uh, and just see what, what can come next. So now, yeah. I have, now I have over 10 hours of it. And <laughs> the next chapter 21 is coming out probably in the next week or so. And, um, and then it's like how to make people aware of it and create yeah. the artwork and, and, you know, videos and stuff. We're also pitching it as a, as a TV series um, starting next week. And that's pretty wild too. That's cool. That's it's like what Shadow Vision aspired to be. Mm -hmm. This is like real special effects and really pretty fabulous animation. Not like Disney animation or DreamWorks animation, but 
we realize that it doesn't have to be that kind of imagination because it's the stories. Mm -hmm. Stories do the whole thing. The stories and the characters and and the kind of production. And if you and if you watch with earphones, it moves around in your head. Mm -hmm. and the characters move here and there, and nobody does that kind of thing. So it's uh, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe it's exciting. But yeah, <laughs> try nevertheless. You know, yeah. Whatever. So um, I guess so to to put a button on tracks with with more and more obscure movies. You know, seeing these like new releases and blu-ray releases and you know i know it never really got past vhs if that ever came about would that be something that you'd be interested in partaking in because like in my mind you know in the future someday there's an amazing blu-ray of tracks with a shadow stevens commentary your cut as a bone you know the remix is a bonus feature you know <laughs> well i love your ideas i don't see it happening i tried to um one of the guys that worked for me all of the guys went on to have pretty mm -hmm. fabulous careers um one guy went to work for cnn another one is still at nbc um chuck serino of course you know does everything he's mm -hmm. just genius he's one of the world's most interesting man he was the director and he um he became this world-class composer but he also edits and does special effects and he helped me with the um with the mental radio television um special effects and uh, Dave Nichols went on to be the um, the editor of uh, Easy Rider magazine, a bunch of magazines, and he's back doing that again. A lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of motorcycle stuff. And um, and Michael Hill went to um, HBO. Yeah. And he was head of production at HBO for after he left me, all the way up until about a year ago, and then he just decided he didn't want to do it anymore and made enough money and um all these guys did real well so while michael was there i said you know hbo owns tracks <laughs> we can do with this it's like um, and they had no interest yeah just was like oh yeah here i'll send you a copy fine i went okay i don't care <laughs> yeah i i'm holding out hope that someday it happens but yeah i know but you know the 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 the, st the stuff that i've been seeing you know hitting blu-ray i feel like there's you know there's movies that have hit Blu-ray that people would said would have never, ever come out. You know, it was like locked away forever and then someday it comes out. So I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, that'd be fun. I like that idea. If you if you if you meet up with somebody who says, yeah, we should do that. Let me yeah. know. <laughs> OK, um, well, thank you so much for chatting. I do want to tell people out there um, the laugh now, think later shadow Stevens and the history of Fred rated on YouTube is really cool. And I hope people check that out, check out shadow vision as well. And then please, please go check out mental radio. Cause it is so cool. Um, and not like, again, like the things that you, that are kind of peppered throughout your career. It's like very singular and very, uh, special <laughs> its own thing. And I love that. So thank you. Thank you. And, and tell all your friends, help me out. Yeah. Because the one thing I don't have the ability is, is to do a, a big advertising campaign. And how do we get this out to millions of people? Yeah. And it's got a really good following. Um, nice. But you can't get big enough. Can yeah. You? Awesome. So thank you again so much. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed talking to you. You're, you're, you're good at this. You should do this. Right oh, now. thank you. <laughs> that means a lot <laughs> coming from you. Oh my God. <laughs>